Wow. Wow, 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 wow. If you're not clapping, something's wrong with you this morning. Did you hear him at the end? Usain Bolt. He's immortal now. Phenomenal. Give it up for our creative team. Put that thing together. Is Cesar here? This thing is wobbly. I'm not complaining. He needs to fix it. All right. You're going to give someone a gift. All right. I won't keep going. <laughs> I love Cesar. He's the man. Hey, we're in a brand new series uh, entitled The GOAT, which stands for the greatest of all time. The greatest of all time. Let's go ahead and jump into our scripture, Luke chapter 2. I'm going to switch it up on you all today. Uh, Luke 2, we're going to read the message version or translation. The message is pretty much a, a, a paraphrase, like literally how we talk every day in our dialect. So um, if you don't have a message Bible on you, no worries. Just pull out your phone if you can. Open up that, that translation. Uh, or you can pay attention to the screen. Um, we started this church for everybody. So whether you have a Bible, whether you don't or not, you know, it's, it's all good. We are for you. And you don't have to believe to belong as well. This can be your home. Uh, I don't know where you are in your faith spectrum, but you, you are welcome and you're invited here. So um, welcome to Highlight Church. Let's give it up for our first, second time guest again. We praise God for you. And uh, here it is, uh, Luke 2, verse 41. And it says this, every year Jesus' parents traveled to Jerusalem for the Feast of Passover. Now, Passover was a, uh, an occasion where hundreds of years before Christ, during the time of Moses, God delivered the children of Israel, his chosen people, from Egyptian slavery and bondage. And so uh, Moses put within the law that uh, there was a need to go back to Jerusalem every year to celebrate and to commemorate this occasion. Um, Passover, you know, so Moses went to Pharaoh, trying to make this quick. Moses went to Pharaoh. He said, let my people go like uh, 10 times. Pharaoh said no. And so the final plague that God performed, he told Pharaoh that uh, the oldest uh, son will die uh, if you don't let my people go. And so um, Pharaoh said, I don't know the Lord I don't know the Lord, so I don't know who you're talking about, and I'm not going to deliver these people. They're good for my economy. They're building everything. It's, it's slavery. It's cheap labor, so we're not going to deliver your people. So you, you go ahead and do what you're going to do. And so God told Moses to um, slay uh, an unblemished lamb, okay? And this, this lamb was a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. And he said, take the blood and put it on the doorposts. Cover your home in the blood. If you don't cover your home in the blood, judgment is coming and death is going to visit your home. And that's, that's what it is now. If, if you're not covered in the blood of Jesus Christ, he is coming back and he's only coming back for his church. And so um, the death angel came that night and all you heard was cries all throughout Egypt. And it was the cries of the Egyptian people because their oldest sons were dead because they weren't covered in the blood. And so 
um, you, you, you know, this angel passes over. He passes over, and so they have the festival of Passover is what they call it. All right, and so they're traveling back to Jerusalem. Uh, when he was 12 years old, they went up, as always, as they did for the feast. Now, this was his first time going, and I'll explain that later. We see Jesus when he's born. We see him when he's 12, and then he pops up again when he's 29, being baptized right before he starts his ministry at 30. All right, when it was over, they left um, for home. The child Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents didn't know it. Thinking he was somewhere in the company of pilgrims, they journeyed for a whole day and then began looking for him among relatives and neighbors. When they didn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem looking for him. The next day, they found him in the temple, seated amongst the teachers, listening to them and asking questions. My goodness. The teachers were all quite, uh, quite taken with him, impressed with his sharpness, with the sharpness of his answers. But his parents were not impressed at all. They were upset and hurt. And then it says his mother said, young man. You know, they, they tell us that Jesus lived a sinless life, that he never sinned. But um, I don't know. The Bible says to honor thy mother and thy father. So, no, I'll just keep going here. He's never sinned. Young man, why have you done this to us? Mary asked him. Your father and I have been half out of our minds looking for you. Half out of our minds looking for you. Anyone parents of teenagers in here? Have you gotten there yet? That clearly explains why we don't have a lot of teens right now, <laughs> which is totally fine because we're still praying for a leader for our HL students whenever that happens. Um, but at any rate, Jesus was problematic for his family. You know, in 2013, Time Magazine um, did a, a most influential people in history. And uh, you have number seven on there was Adolf Hitler. Even though he was extremely evil, he was very influential. Um, number three, whom uh, Muslims consider uh, their prophet, or the last prophet, Muhammad, was number three. Very influential man. And then you have Napoleon, who was number two on that. Um, they did the study through aggregating millions of opinions about any particular individual over the course of the past, say, four or five hundred years. Millions of opinions, books, debates, articles, movies that have been made. And um, it's pretty cool because it was computational analysis they did their research on. So if anyone ever submitted any archaeological findings or this scholar in, in, in the 17th century said this about this person or this philosopher actually was a believer in, in this religion or in, in Jesus, they were able to quote a, a, a famous philosopher about that person. And what they came to find out after getting the data back was that Jesus Christ, 33 years old, from a town about the size of Gaithersburg, if not back in his day, smaller, 33, 
the most influential person to ever walk the face of the earth. And I mean, it's pretty cool to me because aside from the Bible, we have secular research that affirms that this man actually lived and walked the face of the earth. And not only that, in 2013, they said he's number one. He still is number one. 33 years. Many of us won't accomplish the things that he was able to accomplish in our 80 to 90 years of living. But um, it's just so cool to me how we know Barack Obama lives. We know Donald Trump lives. Therefore, it must be true that someone as prolific, as dynamic, as amazing, as miraculous, as powerful as Jesus Christ walked the face of this earth, number one most influential person in the history of mankind. You know, atheists have talked about him for millennia until they're blue in the face. Um, Hindus and Buddhists believe that he tapped into the highest form of self or God realization. Muslims also deem him as the most important prophet. They believe he's coming back as well. But us believers, we know that he is, in fact, the son of God. And not just that, we know that he was God in the flesh. And for those of us who have believed and have placed our faith in him, we understand this life-changing power that he provides. He's the savior and all that good stuff. But beyond all that, all that's important. All that's priority. This series is about studying the life of Jesus to see just what made him so great. Anybody want to be great? Okay, we got about 40% of the crowd. That's good. So I'll preach to all 40% of y'all. Anyone want to be great? Great. Great, great, great. And that's, that's good. So for the next eight weeks, we're going to study the greatness of Jesus Christ, how he thought, how he acted, his focus, um, his journey, his ambition, his goals, and, and, and what made this man of 33 years, only three years in his vocational profession, three years of ministry, the most influential man to ever live. I don't know about you, but I want to be great. 2,000 years later, He's still the most talked about, the most celebrated, the most recognized. And guess what? He owns every dollar in your pocket. <laughs> That's funny, isn't it? <laughs> That's bonkers, right? Um, he owns every breath that you breathe. Hell yeah. He sure does. He sure does. What is it about Jesus Christ? So I want to bring a message to you entitled, Off to a Great Start. Off to a Great Start. Don't worry about it. We will get into the scripture. So what we see here, we, I'm, I'm going to pull out a, two points for you this, uh, a few points for you this morning. Uh, we see that Jesus surrounded himself around big people. He surrounded himself with big people. So it's essential that you learn to surround yourself with big people. Um, a lot of routines uh, are good, some are bad. I thank God for this 21-day fast that we just ended because Kyra and I, we, uh, we were on this routine all year last year, 
where 10, 1030, 11 o'clock, I found myself oftentimes going to Taco Bell. A terrible routine. Um, at least four days a week, four nights a week. Not just Taco Bell, Wingstop, um, Cajun Wings, uh, come on out, uh, Hickory Barbecue, um, Ranch or Blue Cheese? I'm, I'm a ranch guy. What are you? Ranch? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Boo, boo. Uh, we're an interactive crowd, so. And it's okay. We are a church. You can talk back to us. It's okay, all right? So if I say something good, amen, stand up, clap, do whatever you got to do. Um, but anyway, so yeah, bad routine. We would wake up. Uh, it's funny because you can eat late at night but wake up hungry. It doesn't make sense. And croggy and your bones hurt and you just, you're bloated and, you know, but um, you just, it's not good. So we had to break that routine and God did that. Praise God. There is a such thing as deliverance. Um, so what am I saying? Surround yourself with beautiful people. All right. So they were on the way to Jerusalem. And what he did was he broke the routine. Right. Because Joseph and Mary were able to sustain him. So um, but they were not able to supplement the potential that was on the inside of him. And my. My thought is that if God created you, there is immense potential on the inside of you to be great in every area of your life. And so we see something here, and the greatest person that, that's ever lived, he, he broke a routine. They were so used to, to going to Jerusalem and, and going back to Galilee, going to Jerusalem and going back home, going back and going back home. And this is his first year he gets to make this trip as a 12-year-old boy, and I'm going to explain that more in a minute. But um, when he gets to a new place and he gets around people that are bigger than him, he chooses to not stay within the routine. He, he, he says, okay, these people have been exposed to more than me. They understand more than me. They're smarter than me. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to end up in this sphere or in this industry one day. I can't just come here, visit, and leave. Because my parents, my neighbors, and my city can only sustain me. The word there, sustain, means to uphold or keep. Okay? It means that uh, there are people in your life, and we love them to death. Mom, grandma, auntie, grandpa, best friend from high school, we love them to death. But they can only sustain you. How was work? Work was great. Good. That's about the end of your conversation for the day. It, they, they can only keep you and, and sustain you and feed you a nice hot meal and have a good old time on the weekends, have a good old talk. And we love these people to death. We can't replace them. And that's all good. But they can only sustain you. Jesus surrounded himself with people who could supplement his potential. The word supplement means to... Um, to enhance or complete. So these were people who were able to build him up and to speak into who he was because the Bible just told us that he was around them asking questions. Questions that his parents could not answer. 
Questions that his co-workers could not answer. Questions that his classmates could not answer. He had to surround himself around bigger people than he himself. I have a mentor. He's in North Carolina. He's the pastor of an amazing church. And we talk about every seven to eight weeks. I love this guy. Because the first time we met him, it was at a conference in 2015 when we were in between church plant, uh, uh, when we were in between the old church I was at and starting Highlight Church. And the first time we met this guy, um, he attempts to pay for our hotel room. He, 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 as a pastor, he was showing us that generosity begins with leadership. Having met him, sitting in a, a breakout session at this conference in one of his classes and speaking to him, he, 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 he contacts us the second day when the conference is over because uh, Chris went to his breakout session on day two and he asked Chris, he said, did your pastors enjoy their hotel room? And we said, well, our money was taken out. What are you talking about? He attempted to call the hotel to pay for our hotel room, but he didn't sign a credit card authorization. But it was the thought that counted. It's like 800 bucks, dude, and we just met you yesterday and talked to you for three hours. And when he talked to us after, after day one, he was pouring into our process. Man, you guys are stepping out on faith, and Maryland needs you, and there are people there that need you guys to plan, and you just need to do it, and, and, and you need to go to this website, and hey, let me put you into contact with this person, and, 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 how's your, and now today, the, the questions are the same. How's your heart? What are the dominating voices in your life that you're choosing to reject or receive? What are the promises that you've been reciting to yourself? They're always the same questions that work on my heart and my mind, and they make me better. He's debt-free. He's a family man. He, he pastors an amazing church, and everyone doesn't have to be a pastor. But what I'm saying is, is that you need to surround yourself. If you're going to be great, hear my heart today, please. If you're going to be great, begin to surround yourself with big people. Big people. People, well, write this. If you, are you taking notes today? People that will invest, inspire and instruct people that will invest envire and inspire and instruct investing means that they're willing to spend some time with you outside of normal life they're they're willing to pour into your process to pour into your marriage to to pour into your singleness they want to pour into your into your future into your destiny they, they, they want to they wanna help you stabilize your emotional state. They, they want to get a little bit into your past to see what, what's holding you back and what's holding you down. And they're going to challenge you to break addictions that are jeopardizing your future and, and, and to get out of relationships that are jeopardizing everything that God has for you. You need to get around some big people. You get around some big people. People that are going to inspire you. I ask people this a lot, Andy. When I first meet them, I say, um, I say, hey, what, um, what, do you, what do you see yourself doing in the next three years? 
Didn't I ask you that? We had some five guys, some good old greasy burgers. And I said, man, what does the next three years of your life look like? And it was there, and you stuttered a little bit, but you brought it out. So Jesus, <clears throat> the, the word for love is agape. And I've come to find out that one of the greatest ways I can love you is pulling out what it is you really want to do. There's something that you really want to do. We're, we're all looking for purpose in life. Let me, let me give you another formula. Your purpose is hidden in your passion. Your passion is tucked in your burden. There's something that if you allow the heart of God to fill your heart, there's something that burdens you and that will keep you up at night that has nothing to do with money. And that's what's going to bring you the most fulfillment. You're looking at a man, no kudos to me, but I was able to, to tap into my burden. And now I'm living my dream. I gave up an acceptance to medical school. You know, you do med school, you can surgery, research, all that stuff. Guarantee it, quarter million dollars, 150 if you, if you become a primary care doctor, minimum. I said no. Because the value of my burden far outweighed the money that medicine could have brought into my life. And it took me, <laughs> it took me down, down to, to welfare and food stamps. And we had to move out of our first home and move back in with my mother-in-law. But it only lasted for two years. Life is good now, Andy. But 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 you you need people that that will sit with you and that will inspire you. And that's gonna ask you what's on your heart. Are you living out your potential? You are a man of God. You are loved by God. You will do big things. You will change the world. Right? Yeah. Isn't that good? That's, right. That's what you need. So Jesus, he said, I'm really not in a rush to go back home because I'm around big people. We were in a neighborhood. I, I do what's called these dream drives and uh, these beautiful. I've been doing them since high school. I haven't started doing them. But we were in a great neighborhood, and, um, and I, I told my wife, I said, you know what? Money has not gotten people into these homes. It's not money. We do understand if a house costs $100 or a million, you need money. Go with me. Go a little bit deeper. People be too shallow. And that's the problem. We're going after things, right? God revealed to me that at a certain point in, 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 in a family's life or be it granddad or grandma or grandpa, they had to focus inward. Big people focus inward. 
they understood that at a certain point in order for us to get out of we've 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 immigrated from Russia to here from Germany to here from Africa and to get there at a certain point I have to settle in and discipline myself to study I'm first generation so I have to study and I have to get a degree so big people this is what I'm trying to say big people pursue spiritual things they pursue peace, they pursue discipline, they pursue, they pursue uh, self-control, they pursue purity in their singleness, they pursue, they pursue the inner things because they understand that what flows, what, what, what happens on the inside produces what, what God has promised me on the outside. And so Jesus surrounded himself with people who were great on the inside. And let me tell you something. If you're 70 around here, 60, 80, 50, 40, 20, teens, whatever you are, guess what? We all need each other. I, I need your wisdom. I, I need your life experience. I'm only 30 years old. I don't have it all together. I need what you can offer. This is why we need small group leaders who are 60 years old opening up their homes. We need your wisdom. We need your experience. And you need us because you need to know what the newest phone is out there <laughs> and how to update your apps. You need us. My dad calls me all the time. Son, how do you do this? Dad, I, I don't, I'm in Maryland. I can't even see what you're doing. I want to say this, big people may not be big now. Hear me on this, please, 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 please. Big people may not be, <laughs> hear me on this one. This is, this is prophetic right here. Big people may not be big now. But when it's all said and done, they're going to be the, the leaders. Those that will choose to focus on the word of God. And, and faithfulness and serving, those that will pursue peace. Jesus said the peacemakers shall be called the children of God. They shall see God. Those that pursue peace, not gossip, not drama. I'm too busy pursuing my dreams. I'm too busy pursuing this woman that loves God. I'm too busy pursuing God because he loves me and he has a man for me. We, we, we pursue internal things. And then eventually... It, God, God is able to put us on stage because he can show us off for his glory. He surrounded himself with big people. There were, there were eight big people that joined me to start this church. They quit jobs. Today they're still working full-time jobs as they minister to people, big people. You're not going to see them on CNN or on Fox News. You're not going to see them on your main Christian station, but they're behind close every Tuesday. I'm, I'm yelling at them, <laughs> yelling. We got to love people. We got to help them. That's why we moved here. But they're big people, and God's going to bless them. Get yourself around some big people. All right. It says here, verse 49, he said, why were you looking for me? Didn't you know that I had to be here dealing with the things of my father? But they had no idea what he was talking about. 
Point number two, I want to encourage you to possess God's vision. Possess God's vision. Back in Jesus' day, when you were five years old, you would have, um, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't introduce her. This is Kyra's big Betsy when she gave her life to Christ. Hers is blue. Um, but she has done phenomenal work in that since 2006. No, 2011. I'm talking about myself. Back in Jewish educational history, um, as a young boy and girl, because once you were 12, you broke out into vocational. By five years old, you were studying the written Torah. So from Genesis to Deuteronomy, you were studying it. By the time you were 10, you would have stepped into oral Torah. So you would have been learning the Bible, Genesis through, uh, through Deuteronomy, word for word. It would have been to the point where you could have cut a hole in the scripture, removed all those pages. Someone could have flipped to the pages and asked you what's missing, and you would have known each word. That's how thorough the Jewish children were back in the days of Christ. And by 12 and 13, uh, you would have had your bar mitzvah, celebration, graduation, and you would have stepped into vocational training. So by 12, Jesus was about to go back home and begin to do what his, his surrogate father was doing, Joseph, which was carpentry. He was going to become a carpenter. The Bible even tells us that, oh, aren't you the son of a carpenter? His hometown asked him. And he says, aren't you a carpenter yourself? So we understand that between 12 and 30, Jesus' uh, vocational calling or his work was that of carpentry. He dealt with tables and he built chairs and he built all, all this amazing furniture and stuff. I'm sure he was the greatest. Jesus and co. Go pick up yourself a sofa. <laughs> and so that's what he did. He was a carpenter. But we see something here that's very amazing. And he's making a statement to his family because he stayed in the temple for three days as they went home. And they came back and they found him and they said, didn't he said, didn't you know that I was about my father's dealings and business? He knows who he is. He understands his identity. And I believe that not just in America, but in the world, we have an identity crisis. Okay, so he's going to be a carpenter. Watch this, watch this, watch this. He's about to be a carpenter, but he understands that that's not all he is. I'm going to go a little bit longer here. Okay, let me, let me dig in here. We, as people, we're known to place the totality of our identity with so, something that someone has labeled us as, or with our educational status, with our occupation, or with our relational status. Let me, okay, let me keep going a little further. I am an owner of an organization. I am CEO. And the danger in that is, is that most people live every second of the day with the fact that they are a CEO or founder or a leader in their organization, they live in that reality every second of the day to ultimately not be able to fluently operate 
in the other areas that God has called them to be effective in. I am a wife. Great. I am a husband. Great. I am an employee. Amazing. I'm a pastor. Great. But that's not all you are. That's not all you are. I'm a victim. Someone harassed me. Someone touched me. Someone did this. Sorry, but that's not all you are. We have an identity crisis in America. But, but, but Jesus, Jesus knew who he was. So even though society was telling him, you're going to be a carpenter, he knew that his father had a true purpose and calling on his life. You're not just a single mom struggling. You, you, you're not just an entrepreneur. If, if that's all it is about you, you're very small right about now. You're not just a dad. You're not just an eight to five employee. You're, you're not just a whatever. You are much more than that. And what we can learn from the greatest man to ever live was that by the age of 12, he understood who he was truly in his father. You, you remember uh, Lion King, right? You know, it, it was sad, man. And guess who I went to see the Lion King with? My dad. So to see Scar and Mufasa, no! I cried. I was like 10 years old. I'm like, Dad, don't die ever. <laughs> and so Mufasa dies and little cubby Simba, you know, Scar was, Scar represented Satan. Let me, I'm, I'm about to prove to you how Disney stole the concept of the Lion King from, from the Bible. You know, a little cubby Simba and Uncle Scar, hey, Scar, uh, you might want to run. And so Simba goes all off into the jungle and the hyenas laugh at him as he's running. And, and you got little cubby Simba. Grow up to be a little teenage Simba. <laughs> yeah, they're dancing. Timba and Timon. And then he becomes a little grown, well, a big grown Simba. Then he's eating bugs. He's eating bugs. He's looking under trees for water. He's swinging on ropes like he's some kind of monkey and all this stuff. And, and uh, you, you, you have a king acting like he is a normal jungle animal, a king, Act, just acting like this is who I am, this is what I do, and I'm having a blast doing it. I love Jesus. And so... You meet the crazy monkey. What was his name? Rafiki? I forget him. Yeah, Rafiki. Yeah. Yeah. That was my favorite. When he did that junk to that dude, that hyena, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is my movie. And uh, he, he leads Simba. Simba's like, slow down, slow down. Come here. And so he shows him this water, right? And Simba finally looks at himself and 
it's like, man, I look just like my dad. And to my recollection, my dad died a king. Jesus, God in the flesh, God the Father, died on the cross. Okay, died on the cross. All right, wait, wait, wait. Died as a king. And then Rafiki was like, ah. it's like he tapped into Mufasa's spirit or something. And uh, Mufasa appears in the sky. This is when I get this my this is my other favorite part. He says, um, Simba. That James Earl Jones voice, Simba. He says, Dad, Dad. Huh? He says, Simba. He says a few things, and the, the greatest part he says is, Remember. Remember who you are. Remember. But dad, but dad. You are the one and only true king. Remember. Remember. So Simba takes Rafiki's stick and he throws it with his mouth. And he says, wait, where are you going? He says, I'm going back. <laughs> and it gets all exciting. Why is he going back? Oh, man. Because he realizes who he is. And he realizes what's in store for him. And he realizes what his father left for him. He understands that I'm not just an anybody, but I'm an heir. I'm a child of the king, and I have an inheritance for me to get. I have a purpose for me to fulfill. I am a king. And it's similar, it's so similar to, um, to Scripture. Matthew 3, 16 through 17, the message says this. The moment Jesus came up out of the baptismal waters, this is about 17 years later, he's 29. It says this, the skies opened up and he saw God's spirit. He saw his father's spirit and it looked like a dove descending and landing on him along with the spirit, a voice. This is my son, chosen and marked by my love, delight of my life. I want you to begin every morning when you wake up. I want you to begin to accept this truth over your life. That, that, that God created you. That God has chosen you that God has called you, and that he is pleased with you. And so the Bible says that when you place faith in Jesus, you become a son of God. Okay, that word son is not gender-based. That term is a term of position. It can be translated as you become an heir of the Most High. So therefore, whenever you deal with monarchies, follow me here, whenever you're born into a kingdom and you're a prince or a princess, there's already a, a route that is laid out for you or a calling or a vision that's laid out for you. There's already an inheritance that's stored up from you. So, okay, how does this apply to my life? No matter what comes or what goes, 
no matter what stays, no matter what I can keep or what I lose, no matter who comes or who goes, I am still a king. I am still an heir. And there are still things that I have yet to lay hold of because God has already predetermined that I will be blessed. I am an heir. I am an heir. I am an heir. I am an heir. I am a king. I am a queen. I am a son or a daughter of the Most High, and that's who I am. And because I'm an heir of the Most High God, I have permission to possess a big vision. Oh, man, please get this. I, I feel chains breaking in here. I have permission to possess big vision. No matter who's betrayed me, no matter how many times I've failed, no matter how many times I've sinned, I shall be free. I shall possess everything God has for me. I have permission to have joy. I have permission to have peace. I have permission to prosper. I have permission to enjoy life. I have permission to change the world. This is what Jesus understood. You're not just going to label me as a carpenter. I'm more than that. We have an identity crisis in the world. You are a child of God if you've placed faith in Christ. Now, the Bible says this. As many of those that are led by the Spirit of God are the heirs of God. Okay, so let's get out of quantity, big vision. Let's deal with the quality of a God vision. There are certain pockets in your life, relationships, finances, education, so on and so forth. All right. So this is this is it. Once I know who I am, as I read my word, as I develop a lifestyle of prayer and consecration unto the Lord. I then become led by the Spirit of God in every area of life. And as I am led by the Spirit of God in every area of life, I come to find out that he has a vision for my intimacy, my health, my finances, and who I am becoming. All right, so this is how this works. I am a daughter of the Most High God. I am single. Therefore... I am led by his spirit, and I know he loves me. I don't have to compromise myself. I don't have to give my emotional health over into another because I am an heir. And as long as I just walk with him, I will be led into my inheritance, the right person for me. All right, y'all. Okay. All right. All right, let me, let me, let's deal financially. I am an heir of God. I am a son of God. The Bible calls me to tithe to my local church. I want financial margin, but I can't get there and be happy in it until I make God first in my heart. No matter how much money I make, unless God is first, I'll never be whole. So in order to really be led by the Spirit, I put him first in my finances. 
I steward everything else he gives me, and then the financial margin comes in time. Now I have the money, and I have the Lord, and I am fulfilled with what I have. And the Bible says you can enjoy your money. God has an inheritance. And Jesus understood that his purpose all in all through and through, whatever he did, it was to point people back to the Father. big vision. Your vision is not from God if it doesn't point people to Jesus. It's something. You can even throw a Bible in there. It doesn't mean it's from God. I challenge you to start your meetings in prayer. Mm -hmm. Exalt Christ first and then the blessing will come. Possess a big vision for your life. Glorify God in the world and bless the world. Jesus understood this. Luke 2, and we're going to close it out here. Is everyone okay? Yeah. That's fine. Let's do it. That's good. Let's give the word of God a hand clap of praise. <clears throat> Luke 2, 51 through 52. We're going to end it here. Jason, come on up, my man. So he went back to Nazareth with them. And lived obediently with them. His mother held these things dearly deep within herself. His mom went from a sustainer to someone who was going to supplement his calling. She, she saw the potential in him, so she got alongside her son and said, you're going to fulfill your calling. You know, that's the part of our, our call, parents. And it says this here. And Jesus matured growing up in both body and spirit. Blessed by both God and people. Bless. Last point today is growing in God's favor, and I'm just going to encourage, and we're going to pray, and those of you who uh, we're going to give you a chance to give your hearts to Jesus, um, you, can, you can grow in God's favor. I love it. it. It says that Jesus was blessed by both God and people. But there are two prerequisites of that. He chose to surround himself around faith-filled people. So number one, light groups are only in their third or fourth week. Please get in a light, light group if you're not. Amazing things happening in light group. Been getting some amazing messages. Thanks, Bobby. Bobby shared an amazing message with our team the other day about the life change that's happening there. Those are big people. Those are future Big wigs, faith-filled big wigs. Um, surround yourself with amazing people and know who you are. And I'll just say this. If you haven't professed Jesus as Lord yet, God loves you. He created you. And it was our sin that took him to the cross. <clears throat> Know who you are and latch on to God's vision for your life. And you're going to find that within your burden. Some of you, you want to start homeless shelters. You want to you do these great things for God. God is saying, go do it. Go do it and be blessed therein. Some of you, God is calling to quit your job. It's okay. 
get your money right first, then quit your job. <laughs> quit your job. Why be at a place that you hate when you could be pursuing a purpose that you love? I speak favor over you today. Let's pray, church. Father, we love you so much. You are so good. You are majestic. Jesus, thank you for teaching us how to get off to a great start. Lord, it's still a brand new year. So, God, we pray that you would give us the wisdom to evaluate our relationships. Lord, we pray that you would bring people into our lives that would supplement our calling and our potential. God, and we pray that you would give us the hearts to invest, inspire, and instruct others as we are being poured into. Jesus, reveal our God vision to us. And allow us to know who we are in you so that we can walk those things out in this earth. And that by the end of our lives, people will say that the only way that they were able to do the things that they did was because God was working in and through them. So God, I just pray for favor and for blessing. I pray, Lord, that you would move the right people around in our lives, Lord, that you would orchestrate the different opportunities, Jesus, as we trust you and as we step out. We receive your blessing and your love.